What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. To live and die in LA. That's the title for today's pod, episode nine of The Way We Ball podcast. It's been flying. It's been flying because we've been winning and winning is fun. Brandon, this is the conference finals. We win this. We go on to the MLS Cup finals. We mentioned last week that SKC was going to be that team to really test us. And if we beat them, we could beat anybody. Are you still feeling that way, Brandon? Absolutely, man. I mean, especially the way we played, this was a hard-fought game. I mean, the best part was when you look at the statistics, when we finished the half, we had 74% possession, and we absolutely dominated it. We made Keone's look special out on the wing. I felt like this team is so playoff built. I think we slayed the dragon, bring on L.A. You mentioned Quinones. Um, I think SKC did a terrible job of doing whatever Real Salt Lake did because we saw we saw the Quinones that we were used to seeing before that Real Salt Lake matchup. They did a good job of containing him, containing his speed, and he just ran loose. Um, I put in my notes while watching that match that Quinones is honestly a left foot away from being elite. <laughs> and that might be, you know, that might be stretching it, but man, the guy's great. It's just, if he could get that left foot going, he'd be an elite player. Um, so we'll start off today's episode with breaking down the match. And then uh, we're going to take a look at our Eastern, Con- or I'm sorry, our Western Conference opponents, LAFC. From there, we'll take a look at the Eastern Conference, everything happening there. Um, and we have two. Well, we have a new segment um, to introduce, and that's our Around the Globe, Ballin' Around the Globe segment. Um, and then we'll go back to our Ball In, Ball Out segment. So again, thank you all for joining us for Episode 9 of the Way We Ball pod- podcast. So Brandon, you want to start things off with uh, with that match against SKC? Uh, so I alluded to at the beginning, possession. We saw our midfield do midfield things. Ache Ache was great. I mean, Coco did extremely well as to be mentioned i know we've been hard on him but he looked solid at at points um keone's like you mentioned it's funny i had in my notes as well like keone's is special he had some shots on goal that were that were elite and it's like if this guy could really develop another foot like you mentioned he is going to be scary good like quite quite top elite mls kind of good like i think that's not a stretch saying it i understand his potential if you look especially in big games, the U.S. Open Cup final. He was a huge like threat throughout that entire match. Every time we've had a big game, he showed up, and he did again last night. I, I think the sky is the limit for that guy. Yeah, no, I agree. He, uh, he was definitely the one of the spotlights for us. That midfield together, Coco played much better um, than the series before. Acha Acha just being Acha Acha, Artur, the anchor back there that we that we need in these type of games, and they just let Quinones run free, and <laughs> it was a difference maker. I was a little disappointed with Bossy. Bossy had a lot of turnovers in the first half. I think within the first thirty minutes, he had like four or five, um, but it seemed like he cleaned it up. So I everything that I was upset about, totally forgot about it within the second half. Um, but yeah, it just we mentioned last week, this is a point I wanted to, to get out while I was watching this game. We mentioned last week that this long break could either hurt or help us and that one of these teams was going to benefit more than the other. I think it was pretty clear who benefited from that long break. 
we looked good. We had that speed that I felt like we didn't have against Salt Lake. And maybe that was their game plan. But Keone's, I guess when you open him up, he looks incredibly different. On top of that, our goal. I mean, we haven't even mentioned that. What a beautiful cross from the corner from there on the on the corner from Herrera. And it was like perfect height meets perfect like jump on Escobar. It was a beautiful header. We, that's our second time we've scored like uh, off a set piece since Portland. So, I mean, like, heck yeah, man. If we can keep adding that to our arsenal and keep on winning, like this is a really good thing. And I loved it. It was, it was the kind of game that we needed. And holy Steve Clark, man, that guy should wear a cape. He was incredible that game. Ever since you mentioned our set pieces and our corner kicks, they've been uh, they've been thriving <laughs> off them. It's, it's been amazing, man. It's funny you mentioned that. Uh, speaking of headers, in the seventh minute on the TV broadcast, uh, the ball goes out of bounds. There's a random fan who runs towards the ball. Uh, he's sitting in those like field side seats. I don't know if you caught that, and he just heads it. It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> he just heads it. And I remember thinking, like, dude, sign that guy up. That's exactly what we need. Uh, but. I will say in the 64th minute, though, man, like, Baird had a couple of moments, though. He was the only, if we have to be frustrated with something, and in terms of a player, he missed an opportunity where it was a rally he should have had, and then when he tried to dribble around the keeper, that wasn't really a good take. I was kind of hoping he would just put it on, because even if it was a deflection, I think there was enough guys behind him for somebody to put in an open netter, so... He was frustrating. It, it, that's the best way I could put it, yeah. watching him today. That's me nitpicking a one nothing win. No, I mean, it's everything was going so smooth. That game felt like it should have been a 3 nothing game, a 4 nothing yes. game. Um, we just don't have that finisher. And that's a tale as old as time, it seems, with this, with this current Dynamo squad. We just don't have that guy that can put in the back of the net that we have all the confidence in. And Barrett, again, showed he's not that guy, unfortunately. He does a great job of playing what Ben wants in that position. But in these moments, in these games, you need that guy that can score. You need that Boyanga like LAFC has. And we don't have that with Baird, unfortunately. Uh, but let, that's a problem to worry about in the offseason because, again, we're here for a reason. We belong here. We're playing such a fun style. And I think you had mentioned it, and I'll just reiterate it. This team, that midfield, we're a really good team. And <laughs> it's it's... It's up there with those early Dynamo teams, those 2006, 2007, 2008 Dynamo teams um, that we're used that we were used to seeing the, those championship winning teams. And it, we might not be better than those teams, but I will say the current squad we have is better for the city of Houston. What I mean by that is that we have a lot of South American, Central Americans. We have a huge Latin population. We have a big Nigerian population. Glenn Davis always talks about it. This style of, of soccer is what the population of Houston likes to see in their in their soccer. The the dynamo, the the old regime, the the championship winning regime, yeah, they were great, but it, it was kind of boring. It, it wasn't the flair, it wasn't the ball controlling football or soccer that that the Latin community loves. And I think again, this team might not be better, but this team is better for the city of Houston. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, you're right. They play with that kind of spice in their game. There's that little bit of just sauciness to it with that whether it's just it's fun to watch, man. Even if you're not a really huge soccer fan, you turn on a dynamo game and you're watching what they do dancing around in the midfield and you're just kind of drawn to it. It's why I've understood why people who aren't diehard soccer fans when they watch World Cup, 
and they see Brazil, they're like, this is really fun. And you're like, yeah, they play with that just kind of flair. And I, I, I get it. It's so attractive. But even Glenn Davis even mentioned this midfield is the best pos- possession midfield team ever in team history. And I, I mean, how can you argue with it? I think the proof is in the pudding, especially with how deep the MLS is now compared to our early 2000 teams. It, it's without saying that you could argue that this team is like our best team in terms of talent. They may not be our most dominant because back in the day, the talent pool wasn't as deep as it is today, but it, being our best possession midfield, most definitely. And that, that defense complements it as well. That back line complements it very well. It's unfortunate because it's Sebas, the Paraguayan Sebas was the guy that we thought he was going to be. This team would have been very, very scary. So, uh, but again, that's a, that's a problem to worry about later, but let's talk about this team. Let's talk about the breakup. The defensive line really impressed me. I saw um, Achi Achi get after Mikael a little bit um, in the game, but it looked like he cleaned up his mistakes. They mentioned in the broadcast that it looked like uh, Edetta was a little frustrated with Mikael taking too long on the ball. He wanted quick movement. He wanted the ball back in the midfield. He wanted to move the ball fast. Mikhail looked like he cleaned that up. Sviachenko just being Sviachenko, being the leader back there, um, just being that anchor back there that we needed. And man, I'd love to see how much Dorsey runs in a match. That guy, <laughs> I was I was pointing out to my girlfriend, like just just watch Dorsey, and she was cracking up because she's not the biggest soccer fan, but she was laughing at. She would just see Dorsey run across the screen, like with no context. <laughs> you just see a guy running across the screen, and that's what Dorsey does. He goes back on defense. He's a great attacking option. Um, up to this point, he's my MVP for the season. Not, I don't think he's the best player on the field. But had he not, had he not found this this uh, this new success, I don't think we're we're where we're at today. We're, we are where we're at today um, without Dorsey finding that that little extra motivation that he's found in this later half of the season. So you're definitely right. He has given us such a heartbeat that I I don't think we all realized how badly we needed it. Now, the one thing I will have to damper our parade with is with Svechenko. There was a huge controversial moment with the possible, was it a handball inside the box a couple minutes right after we scored the Escobar goal. And looking at video replay, I get it. I get why people are really upset, especially if I, if it happened to us, I would be up in arms. I mean, Heck, I, I'm I'm reading verbatim the quote in the press from head coach from Sporting KC, uh, Peter Vermees, where he said, yeah, I saw it and it was a handball. It should have been a red card. I mean, looking at it, I, I said the red card was a bit tough too, but to say it's not a handball, I, I oh man, I, I would be lying. The fan in me is like, hell no, that wasn't a handball. <laughs> Let's play on, baby. But that was a gift. Svetchenko could have cost us in a big moment there. I mean, granted, that's such a reactionary play. I mean, any one of us is going to get hit by that. But it was uh, – we escaped in that kind of moment. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and I do appreciate the fact that, like, none of the guys are denying it either. I think uh, <laughs> Svetchenko mentioned you need some, you need luck in, these, in the postseason, and sometimes you need things to r- roll your way. You know what, though? Sports gods owed it to us after that Texans game. Speaking of bad officiating, I just the sports, <laughs> the sports gods owed us one because it was it was a terrible day. But uh, 
Um, our producer Shane mentioned that Glenn said the way that the ruling is written, that it was the correct call. Um, again, it's a Dynamo podcast, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll lean towards favor of the Dynamo and that being the correct call. But I'm with you. If I was an SKC fan, I'd be livid. I I assume Glenn is probably saying because like he didn't have time to move and it was such a blast that like it just hit his arm like the same way it would hit your hip if you were whatever, right? Like he just didn't have time to change his direction. So that's why it wouldn't have been card. Yeah, and and that like his arm is is being closer to his body rather than it sticking it out. But I I I can understand like yes, the fan in me is going to stick to that where it was like yeah, but if you look, he wasn't sticking his arm out as much as it was just being blasted. But honestly, if it's the other way around, we would all be. <laughs> this is how we would lead the podcast. You know, we wouldn't just be now bringing it up, but. Either way, it's not like SKC didn't have moments later on in the game to kind of capitalize from that. Like, they could have moved on. They did have a lot of opportunities. It's just that Steve Clark was making some insane saves, dude. Like, that was out of the war- out of this world highlight package that he put on. He is a big reason why we are moving on. Like, that cannot be buried. Yeah, no, he, he played a huge role in, in us advancing. Um, that defense too did a great job. We we mentioned um, Bolido being very dangerous, and they did a good job of making him not really seem very relevant, to be honest with you. And then later on towards the game, he plays a little bit higher, um, I guess, trying to create more chances. But it it didn't really do much for them. They had a few scary chances, but um, at the end of the day, it was a pretty, I would call it convincing. It was a pretty convincing win. We controlled possession. We controlled the midfield. And again, if we had a clinical finisher, this is a two, three, maybe even four nothing, four nothing match. Um, who was your I, player of the game? I want to give it to Escobar because like his goal, but it's it's going to be Keone's for me just because of what I saw in that first half. He was putting shots on target that was like, I, I just saw a whole new team with this guy for for the first time, it was like one of those things where it was like, oh, wow, this is a cup run that we can continue to produce if this guy can produce. Like, that's how excited I got in that first half watching him. So he's going to be my player of the game for that fact. But if people gave it to Ache, Ache, I'd understand as well. He drew up so much. But for me, Keone is because that that was exciting. I thought he set the tempo. Yeah, I agree. And I it really shows how important he is. When Real Salt Lake shut him down, our offense was not moving like this. When you free up Quinones, he's such a dangerous weapon that it gives our midfield so much area to move, so much area to just, you know, do their thing, be maestros with the with the soccer ball. So um Quinones was up there for me. He he was player of the match because aside from that, that was our spark of offense in the first five, ten minutes. He had those two right foot shots. Um, one of them was like a few feet outside of the 18 almost went in and he was, he showed that goalkeeper that he's a threat. And so, yeah. um, again, it just felt like you turn the kid on and it just, it, it changed the game for us offensively. It just, it, it really opened things up for us. And it was night and day from that real salt Lake match that we saw. Um, so hold on one question I want to ask you, I mean, especially as the match progressed, do you think Ben has just zero confidence in the bench? It's uh I was frustrated that he went with Aleu over Thor. I mean, I know why we don't really need that scoring piece, but I thought what worried me is let's say SKC did pull a goal out and we go back into penalties. Is that really who you want taking a penalty shot? 
Um, and then he put Caicedo in a little bit later. I think a big part of this offseason is going to be fixing that bench up, making it a little bit deeper. Um, because aside outside of those two guys, who else is he really using in the postseason? He's not touching Ivan Franco. He used Thor once in a moment that we needed a goal. And then outside Brad, of that. Brad Smith played last night as well. Brad Smith. Yeah, yeah. Brad Smith played last night, which was a big surprise uh, to me. But um, I guess he just he wanted Quinones to rest up in the case that we were to advance. But um, yeah, well, I don't was, know. if That was the thing, too. So he took off. Keone's for Smith, and I thought, like, is he doing that in case we go to penalties? Because if you remember, Keone's got saved last yeah. time. So that was where I was like, is he making the move for that? And then the same thing, he brought in Casado for Bossy, who Bossy's been shaking, taking penalties as well. It was a moment where I was like, is this Ben just trying to, like you said, buy more time? But we just came back from international break, or is he thinking, if this goes to penalties, I need to set it up where these are the best takers, you know? I, I, that was the one biggest moment where I was watching these subs and I, I got worried to where I was like, does he have no confidence in this bench or all the confidence? I was very confused in that moment. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think if that was his theory, then I think he would go with Thor over Leo if he was worried about the PKs. Um, I think he just wanted to go heavy on defense. And I think uh, I'm pretty sure that that's where the game plan was going. But um, the the subs were a little bit later than than... I was anticipating, um, but I, I, I'm with Ben. I, I don't really have confidence in our bench either. I, I don't love <laughs> our bench, to be honest with you. Uh, I would love to see Thor get more playing time. I, after seeing uh, Baird whiff on those, I don't want to call them gimmies, but whiff on those shots, um, part of me felt like Thor puts those back in the net. Yeah, I mean... You, I mean, you and I have always been clamoring for more Thor. I, I don't think anything is going to change for that. Baird was frustrating. We 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 kind of highlighted that as well. I I I'd understand if we did some more shuffling, but I I I think Caicedo is somebody that we can trust off the bench. I just haven't seen Ben trust Caicedo that much off the bench, which is which is odd. I mean, obviously he knows the team better than than we do, but to me, every time he's been in, it's never been a pinpoint thing of like, well, he cost us a moment. I just don't understand why he hasn't really seen the pitch that much or coming on so late into a game. So it was nice to see him come on, but come up, you know, this next match, we're we're going to need a super sub going forward. Yeah. And I, I, I really like, I say, I like what he brings to the club. I'm with you. I think the way that game was played, he could have came on a little bit earlier. And when the guy's on, that guy's throwing his body left and right. Yeah. Um, you, you can't knock him for his effort. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what, what next round brings. We're going to need that style of play. We're going to need a Caicedo type when you have a Boyanga out there and Carlos <laughs> Vela. So, um, yeah, we definitely, we're definitely going to need some more Caicedo. We'll see what, what, uh, what Ben is thinking for that match. Before we move on, uh, what did you think about the home crowd? How great was it seeing that, seeing a packed shell? Dude, the singing was so tremendous. Like, that was a legit all together one voice like you could just hear the dynamo crystal clear and what's funny is even when i rewatched it back on like television like you could just it just put me right back into the moment of just hearing the voices like it that was so sick that was a good crowd obviously people what's funny is some people were like well it was cold and it's like it's either too hot it's too cold like sorry we can't have it perfect just I, i'm glad people showed up 
I, I hope we set the tone for next year. I think I think the team's done a good job of, of doing that. Yeah, I'm sure we had a lot of first-timers. I've seen on Twitter already a lot of social media folks and influencers went for the first time. And as we mentioned earlier, it's a fun style of soccer to watch. Yep. Very favorable to the viewer. And I'm more than sure a lot of those people are going to come back. But again, we'll give you roses when you deserve it. And that front office <laughs> deserve their roses after this week. They did a great job of hyping it up. They did a great job of doing activations, in-store signings. They had that event at Trill Burgers. They just did a great job of letting people know, hey, we're the Dynamo. We're here. We have a playoff match. It wasn't this whole fill the dreams, build it, and they'll come. Get to the playoffs, and they'll come. I think they've learned the hard way. It takes more than that. It takes more than just getting there. You have to, you know, you have to get your feet on the ground and, and do some work yourself. So hats off to them. The front office did a great job. And I, it coincided. I thought it was very strange that they reposted the story of a marketing person they hired back in March. And I remember <laughs> reading that when it first came out and it, I didn't think much of it. You know, it's been so many months since that's happened. So when I retweeted the story, someone called this out and was like, Hey, this happened back in March, but I will say, I feel like this week has been totally different from what we've seen since March, since the beginning of the season. Um, and again, the proof is in the pudding. You saw it with a packed shell stadium. And I don't think, I don't think that happens without all the effort that the front office put in this last week or so. hundred percent, man. Like everything that they did in terms of the marketing side with the players, it everything was a yes. Like there was not one thing that I, I mean, obviously you can do something a little bit better here or there if you're nitpicking, but in terms of everything they offered leading up to it, it was like, this is a great idea. And it, and it just came off smart. And, and I don't know if the transition maybe just now is, even though it happened in February, maybe the training wheels have officially been taken off and this is what they're showing. Whatever the change is, I don't care. I'm here for it. I it's, I hope this week continues and they take this momentum and continue to build off of it because this is a team that I feel is going to be, if they win an MLS championship, it's one of those where I, I almost feel bad because they're MLS champions that are like fought hard all year long and they're not going to be as appreciated as they probably should be. And that's, that's so sad to kind of say, but yet I, you know, obviously I want us to win it all, but hopefully we catch on in a moment and it's lightning in a bottle, but I, I, I yeah. fear that this team isn't going to be as appreciated as they should. Yeah. I get, I get lost in my thoughts and I was thinking about that. Exactly. Like if this team were to win it, does that home opener next year is the average <laughs> soccer fan thinking like, Oh, well there's no more. They reached the highest pinnacle. Do I have to go back to really have to support them? <laughs> Or does a soccer or does an average soccer fan think like, oh man, I really got to see this team. These guys are are champions, and I gotta go go support. And um, but I, I agree with you. Like, this is a really good team, and they've had that state. We we're last place in the league as far as attendance, yeah. and not that we don't deserve it, but it, it, it's a big bummer, man, that uh, we've we've had this in the city of Houston, and a lot of people didn't even know about it. Well, I mean, like, I feel bad because, like, Steve Clark even was, like, quoted as saying in his press conference where he was, like, you know, I've been a goalie for 15 years, and this is, like, one or two the most fun I've ever had. And that says a lot about his teammates and who he's playing with because I'm sure the one was probably when he won it all in Portland, and yeah. they have an incredible atmosphere every single game. So, like, that's probably easy to get swept up in. But 
there's a reason why this team is so special to him. And I was just thinking to like you and me and producer Shay, like in all the like fans, like, yeah, we're going to love that. The ones that like haven't missed anything, but in terms of the city, I, that's where it makes me sad because what's the parade going to be like? Is this going to be like, Oh, an eye opener, like for everybody, like who did we sign? And it's like, no, that's not what happened. That makes me sad to think about. But at the same time, I think it has to happen for us to be able to start to buy back in because if they want to talk smack against Messi, at least they can say we're the champs and not only us open cup, but in MLS cup. So we got to win. We, and it just, it's crazy to think that I'll be so happy and sad if we win it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hate talking like this because it's assuming the worst, but winning SKC for me, was kind of like our championship game because no matter what happens from here, we can only build off of it. Let's say we yeah. lose against LAFC. Okay, we lost against the Western Conference Finals, but we played a fun style of soccer. We have a foundation now that we're just going to build off of. And we've showed what the city's capable of at that SKC match as far as having a packed crowd, a packed shell stadium. So for me, that match, that last home game, and it finished the way it did, I'm very invested yeah. in what happens next Saturday against LAFC, but this to me was the bigger picture. And I think I like your optimism more. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I just felt like last, last Saturday was very important to show people that this team is fun to watch. Soccer games can be fun to watch. Just get out there and support and you have a team and you have a really good team and, and you know, things are going great right now. So I just felt like this weekend was very, very important to the growth of this club in the next four or five years. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be something that it was just so fun, man. It was so fun. That crowd was rocking. I That's how it needs to be. And you're right. Hopefully it continues. Big ups to the crowd, man. It was y'all sounded so good in the singing, everything like just if you replay it on your television, you can just hear the songs coming through crisply, and that's the best part. That's a good sign of everything. There's some like videos on Twitter and TikToks and just different angles from you get different perspective of different parts of the stadium. And no matter where you're at, it just looked packed. It looked fun. I mean, I'm always going to yeah. complain about that that club. Uh, is it the yeah. East or West that faces East the camera? Club. The East End Club. I'm always going to complain about that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we can come up with some fun stuff in the off season on what to do there. I feel like the club could do a better job as far as motivating people to go outside, maybe offer free food and drinks outside and just have like a waitress or something. But <laughs> aside from that, everything was, was incredible and it, the atmosphere just looked fun and it looked like those old Robertson days that we always get nostalgic about. And so it was fun to finally see it. And I don't know if Ted was in town or not, but I hope that he was able to see the reason he purchased this club. I feel like Ted's riding in on every game from here on out now. I, I don't yeah. know if he was there, but I would assume he had to be. I mean, no way yeah. he's going to miss that. Yeah, hopefully. I'd like for him to, to bask in uh, <laughs> in his glory, so to speak. So um, so let's move on, Brandon. LAFC, what are your thoughts? What are your predictions? Let's, let's hear what you got to say uh, about that. So you can go off recent history. Uh, this year we've played them in June 10th and June 14th. And in those two games, we won 5-0. We won 4-0 at our house, and then we won 1-0 at their house, um, which is kind of funny because if you look at our overall record, our only win was that last win that we had So, at, in terms of at LAFC. 
but we're red hot, man. We're 10, one and six in all competitions since leagues cup. Like we've only had one loss. So this team's absolutely rolling. So the fact that we're going into a place that we've won, I feel absolutely sky high for this. Now looking at some of the numbers, uh, in terms of, uh, betting odds. Now, who do you obviously think is favored here? LAFC or us? LA. Yeah, so they actually have LAFC as their number one overall favorite to win it all uh, at plus 138, Cincy at plus 141, Columbus Crew at plus 380, and then Houston plus 750. Like, we're still, even if you want to ride in the final four for good money, like, that's amazing. So against us head-to-head in terms of LAFC, if you went money line, is uh, minus 160. We're plus 375. And then even if you want to go draws into extra time penalties, like you can go draw at plus 325. Now that's huge to me if I'm laying money on that because we've tied them overall a lot. Like we, we've, especially at their place too. Like we're one, two, and four. So we've lost, but like that was early Dynamo, like when we were really bad going up against top club. Now, now that we're, it, it's a different story, obviously winning twice against them. So it's going to go back and forth. The other thing that I need to mention too, I looked at the over-under because this has been crazy in terms of over-unders. So the over two and a half goals is minus 130, which is amazing when you think about it because in the every time we've faced LAFC, only three times have we not gone over three goals. So like that tells like it's been a ton of goals in that case. But at the same time, there were zero games last round that went over three goals. 10 in the first round, zero in the second round. Now you're moving on later in the playoffs. Usually you think defenses just creep up. But the numbers are telling us that LAFC is not only heavily favored, but over three over three goals is something that you could see here. So this tells me that it's going to be heavily played in the midfield, and it's going to be something that can be producing goals. So if you want to bet, we're looking good, man. Not only on this game, but in a future. My God, you could really be rolling in it. Yeah, no, I I told you before the postseason started, I had us winning it all, and I have a lot of money potentially sitting on this. So, um, who needs a sponsor, right? When you basically hit the lotto <laughs> after after this playoff series. But uh, back back to what we had mentioned last week. I personally, I'm glad that it's LA. I did not want to face Seattle just because Same. of of history. Us, we don't have the best. We don't have any luck out there. Not only that, though, another another part of it is the playing surface. Seattle, looking at it again this week, Seattle has that turf. looks like plastic. looks like they're playing on, on just plastic. It's, like, shiny. And you have to just think of, of longevity of our guys. Worst-case scenario, we beat Seattle, but Quinones gets hurt. Edetta gets hurt. So not saying that, you know, we're completely safe playing in L.A., but I've the chances of getting hurt are far less playing on natural grass than it is playing on turf. So I'm glad we avoid Seattle just because of the turf, the history. And I mean, Seattle's a strong opponent. Um, so I'm glad that we got LA. It's, I think it's going to be a fun match despite whatever the outcome is. I think it's going to be a fun offensive battle and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to Saturday. So you're, I mean, I'm with you on turf. I, I absolutely hate it. And uh, what's amazing with that is even if, uh, so once we play at LAFC, which is nice grass, 
winner even against between Columbus and Cincinnati will also be grass because whoever wins this plays at their stadium, either uh, Columbus or Cincinnati. So it's clear cut from here. So that's that's a good sign, especially for our guys going forward. Because I'm with you. I think a lot of just small injuries or stupid bounces of the ball happen more on turf. So to be away from that, I feel a lot better. Plus, we know LAFC's game. I mean, in this sense, and we haven't conceded a goal to them technically in the 2023 year. And on top of that, you look at their overall players. Dennis Buwanga, 20 goals, 7 assists. Obviously, he's the golden boot winner in most goals in MLS. Behind him, Vela, 9 goals, 12 assists. And then after that, it falls off big time. They're third, uh, tied third goal scorers, both with four goals and both with one assist, Hillingsen and Tillman. And then that's about it. Like they obviously get their goals from two guys. And right now, Bawanga is playing out of his mind. And you can almost lay a bet every single time for him to score because he has been that automatic. He's scored in every one of their rounds here so far in the playoffs. And we're going to have to do a lot to stop him now. Clearly we have. We did it earlier this year in June. We're going to have to do the same thing. I feel good about cutting off their midfield with our midfielders. I think we have the best in the game. And then on top of that, Svechenko. Thank God he didn't get that red card that Vermees wanted so badly because now we still get him for the Western Conference Finals. And he is going to be key to make sure that we are lined up correctly to stop Moanga attacking on the that outside. How, I guess going off off subject here. How crazy is it? Because you mentioned has Fiatchenko gotten that red. How crazy is it? How that um, teenage has just I don't want to say fallen off, but <laughs> not even a factor in this defense. And coming into the season, we mentioned how strong our defense was specifically because of him. Well, to make it even more full circle for that, the one goal that we scored in L, uh, at LAFC was by Mikael. So. That just shows how much he's actually been important for as uh, to go up against them and how amazing he's been in these playoffs. But you're right. Teenage has fallen off, but maybe this is the game that we need him because he can get a late header goal or whatever it might be. He, he's got he's got great height inside that box, not only like physically, but in terms of his jumping ability. That might be something we need down the stretch to clear things out. So maybe he does get called on late to just do something heroic in the smallest of ways. But you're right. It's incredible how he has kind of just been an afterthought at this point. Speaking, we had mentioned we had mentioned um, Ben not having confidence in his subs. A part of me wanted to see uh, Daniel Stares or Teenage go in for one of the either Escobar or Dorsey at the last like ten minutes just to provide that extra extra defense because those guys were pushing us hard. Um, maybe we see something like that in the next round, if we get an early goal on those guys, but, um, but yeah, I just, when you mentioned Svechenko, I was like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable having teenage back there <laughs> if, if he were to have that red card, but anyway, we'll continue to move on. So give us your predictions for LAFC Dynamo. Well, we also threw it out on Twitter. And what's funny is everybody picks Dynamo to move on. And of course, why would we stop? As I mentioned, we're 10, one and six since in all competitions since league's cup, we are literally the hottest team right now in MLS. And I think we continue to ride that wave. This team is special in so many different kind of styles that I think we go into LAFC and we win again. And that makes such an amazing statement from here on out. I, I don't think that we are going to cool off anytime soon. Do you have a score prediction? So 
history tells me that I should bet the over two and a half and say like it should be two one Dynamo. And a lot of people are predicting in terms of like one, they keep saying one goal isn't going to be enough in this. I disagree. I think this playoffs and especially how it's been going these late rounds, I think one goal is enough. Every game last in the second round ended one, nothing. I think that's all it takes at least one, one. And we win it in penalties. I think we are that kind of team right now that is built for penalties. This is the first kind of, if it goes to that next round, I actually think is in our favor because in terms of LAFC, we face more penalty actions. So even if it goes 1-1 and we head to extra time and then penalties, I think that's in our favor, to be honest with you. So I'm going to go with a score of I think we just win 1-0 and we move on. I'm going with a 2-1 victory, us. I think we score early. I think LAFC equalizes right before halftime. And Ben puts in Thorn Rose to get that <laughs> extra goal, and he scores around the 70th minute, and we take it home with a 2-1 lead. This is where I'd say something stupid and be like, if that happens, I'll get a Thor tattoo, but I'm not going to do that because then I'd have to be held to something that ridiculous. So I hope to God that happens, of course. And also one quick note, thank God yellow cards reset because for the Western Conference Finals, because Coco did pick up a yellow last game. So we don't have to worry about him being suspended on accumulation. Everybody resets for Western Conference. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of betting and all that fun stuff, what does it look like on the Eastern side of things? So Cincinnati and the crew, man, that is the in-state rivalry that is really built. Now, the numbers in terms of all time between those two are pretty skewed because Cincinnati hasn't been around that long. And on top of that, when they first came out, they were just bottom sellers. This has been the real kind of a surge of dominance. But uh, looking at Cincinnati here, they are favored on the money line at plus 115, plus 245 uh, for the crew, plus 230 for a draw. And the over-under, minus 125 for the uh, over two and a half, uh, which is amazing because, again, only two times ever in their history between them have they not gone over two and a half. So they're really predicting this round a lot of goals in terms of being scored. Now the under two and a half is plus 105. But like I mentioned, every round last game didn't go over two and a half. In the first uh, round, only 10 games did. Now, that's still a lot of games, but you have to remember that was a best of three in the first round. So only 10 games to do it. The playoffs is a different beast. So I think the unders are the safer play, and you'll make better money in that. Uh, Overall, though, Cincinnati... Uh, they've they've kind of been lacking to the crew. That's because the crew had a huge surge of dominance. They won the cup a couple of years ago. This team's also really good. But at Cincinnati, they've uh, got two wins, three draws, two losses, 10 goals scored, 14 against, and they haven't lost to the crew at home since 2020. So Cincinnati has kind of been doing well, especially lately at home. Their crowd always brings it. They had a very ruckus, but the money tells you Cincinnati's going to face is going to move on in this one. But I don't know, man. The crew have got something going right now. Christian Ramirez coming off the bench. I mean, you want to talk about full circle for Dynamo fans. Him scoring that goal, it, it was it was beautiful. Now, they'll go into Cincinnati, but you know they're going to have a good showing as well since they're just about like a three-hour drive from each other. So this is going to be one that will be – I think both of these games coming up here 
is going to be just epic. You know, like when you get to an NCAA Final Four March Madness and the Final Four is better than the championship, we, we could be in that kind of sphere here. I think we're on a, a, a collision course of just two amazing games. Unless we make the championship, then. Oh, then it's then obviously, it's that's yeah. the best one. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I agree with you. Um, it, it's going to be a fun weekend, that's for sure. Um, and your predictions, do you have a, a prediction for that match? We don't have to go goal, but do you have a? Do you think someone's going to win? I, I'm I'm assuming you're thinking Columbus. Well, that's what's funny when we put this on our Twitter as well. Only one person picked Cincinnati to move on. Everybody else picked the Crew, and I think, God, betting on it, I am. I'm going to roll with the Crew on this one just because they have better goal scorers in this. They were the number one goal scoring team in the MLS. I think they still come under, I think, in terms of two and a half. I think they win like 2-0, just like they did last game, and and then they move on. So for me, I think it, it's going to be crew moving on, play us in the final at a 2-0, and hitting the, and in the under as well. I forgot who mentioned it, so apologize for not giving you your proper shot out, but someone um, had mentioned Christian Ramirez in a tweet about playing the Dynamo in the final, and he liked it. So... Um... <laughs> we're we're in his uh we're in we're on his radar. So, um, were you a big Ramirez fan? I personally, I would love to have him with this current squad. I think his time abroad has made him a better player, and, and I think he's more Scotland, built right? for this. Yeah, exactly, Aberdeen. And I think now him coming back and playing not only with this Columbus team, but then coming here, I think he's built more for this squad. And I mean, hell, the last Columbus player we got in our tour worked out in our favor. So. Why not full circle it? Yeah. Well, fun fact about the Scottish League. I'm actually a minority investor in a third division Caledonian Braves club, um, <laughs> which leads us to our next segment. Brandon, we're going to introduce a new segment called Ballin' Around the Globe, where we talk about soccer stories or football stories, excuse me, depending on where you're listening from, from <laughs> around the world. I'll pick a story. Brandon will pick a story and we will both share those. Um, so, Giles, why don't you introduce our newest segment? Balling around the globe. Nice and easy. There you go. Brandon, do you want to kick things off with our bowling around, balling around the globe? Uh, mine is sweet and short. It's been the viral sensation of where we will travel to the globe of England, where Alejandro Granacho with the bicycle kick from God, my Lord, and I'm giving props to a Man United player on this, which is saying something because I am not a United fan and neither are you. But this was a bicycle kick that even when I saw it, I said, good Lord. And if you're somebody who has not seen the clip, get on X and hop on over there and search that bad boy up. All you have to do is type in bicycle kick and it'll be the first one that comes up. Absolute magic. It was a, a banger from the top corner and he just sank it. It, it it literally shocked me i literally i my breath was taken away that was an incredible kick that's something that i think is going to be living in their highlight reel no yeah it was amazing i remember i saw a tweet about it before seeing the actual kick and it was mentioned you know kick it or goal of the year or something like that and I was like, oh, God, typical Man U fans, you know, whatever, whatever. I guess they have nothing else to look forward to. And then I saw it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that thing <laughs> was a beauty. And it just, it's kind of disheartening, too. It just shows I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be that good. No. So, 
Like even me uh, kicking it would like normally wouldn't have that kind of just zip that he had whipping himself upside down. Like it was, it was a beauty. And if you're somebody that hasn't seen it, get to it. You're, you'll, you'll be amazed even though you know it's coming. Yeah, no, it's for sure candidate. It's not, if it's not the, if it's not the front runner as we speak, it's for sure a candidate. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, my story has a man U connection to it. My story takes us across the globe to the land of the rising sun, Japan. That is because the Japanese league finished this week. So after EPL finished last year, I was bored and I was looking for a new uh, team to watch as MLS was getting ready to gear up as well. So I, was, I started to watch a few Japanese, Japanese league uh, games because they show other games on YouTube for American fans. Um, I gravitated towards uh, a certain club, uh, Osaka, Sarasota Osaka. Unfortunately, they didn't win it, but Vessel Kobe won the Japanese championship um, <laughs> based off their points. Now, the reason I mentioned Man U, they have Juan Mata. I don't know if you recall. Oh, he played no Man shit, U for a few really? Years. Yeah, and up until two months ago, they had uh, Andres Iniesta. He retired <laughs> there. He played for a few a few years there after leaving Barcelona, and he barely retired like two months ago. And I believe he's going to get like a front office role. If he doesn't want to come to MLS, because it seems like Miami's signing everybody. Um, <laughs> but no joke, if you get a chance to jump on YouTube, check out the Japanese league. It's fun, and those fans get way into it. Um, the The fan culture is very different over there, um, <laughs> and they're free on YouTube. Uh, but there's more to the story. So below that, Japanese has promotion and relegation. Um, and the Japanese 2 league, which is the league right under J1, um, you had the top two teams get promoted. So we have Makaida Zelvia, and sorry if I botched these, and Jubilu Iwata that both got promoted into J1 next year. This Friday, 11 o'clock p.m. Central Time, it'll be on YouTube. We have the third team playing for that final uh, promotion spot, and that is going to be Tokyo Verde. That's the second team in Tokyo against Shimizu S. Pulse. Um, and the winner of that match will get promoted into J1 next year. So um, soccer fans, if you get a chance, go on YouTube, look at search up the Japanese uh, J1 league. And uh, the match will be played at 11 o'clock p.m. our time. And it's a fun league. So, so wait, are, why? Uh, I know you said you were looking for something before MLS started. But why were you like, what's going on in the Japanese league? Like, how did you come across this? So I had this whole, so I was looking for, I had like, I had bullet points that I was looking for. So the first one was I had to be able to stream it or to watch the games. So I got that with YouTube. It had to be at a time favorable to me. Like I wasn't going to wake up at like 4 a.m. to watch these matches. And a lot of these matches hit at like 11 p.m. Um, so those are my like main two things and just something that would be fun to watch. Like I'm not trying to watch. I don't know. I'm not trying to watch like the Lagos league or I'm not trying to watch the <laughs> Cambodian league, you know, like <laughs> they, I'm not a scout by any means, but a lot of these teams seem like they could give some MLS clubs a run for their money. And I mean, Japan in general, they're not a bad team internationally. So, um, and then, I mean, you get guys like uh, Endo with Liverpool. I mean, they produce some really good talent into the EPL. So, 
it's been a fun side thing to watch. I don't watch all the games. I'd be lying to you if I said I did. But if I'm free on a Friday and I see there's a good match, I'll check it out. So I saw Vissel Kobe. I saw NES's last match, and the crowd went nuts for him. So that was cool to see. Um, and Juan Mata, the guy's been a bright spot out there. So it's been uh, it's been a fun little journey. The Man United and Chelsea player. I uh, yeah. that that's incredible, man. I I kind of want to get a Japanese team now. And we can try to see if we can get a slow fan base built out. out. Oh, dude. <laughs> There's these two guys. It's it's kind of frustrating. Um, they beat us to the punch. They're from England. They're not even in Japan. And they kind of did what we just talked about doing. And they're like viral <laughs> sensations out there. They're huge out there. It's so frustrating. <laughs> so, yeah, pick your team and we'll, we'll beat them. We'll beat them at their own game. I love it. And we'll just start breaking down them the way we ball. And then we can segment into the Japanese league and catch everybody else up on that. <laughs> it's that our, our like avatars will just be like anime characters instead of, <laughs> and we'll do like I the like bad it. lip reading and all that stuff. So <laughs> uh, awesome. So that was our balling around the globe. Our next segment, Brandon, we're bringing it back. People love it. I love it. It is our ball in or ball out. Giles, let the people know. Bowling or ball out. All right, Brandon. So we'll go with question number one. Ball in or ball out. Neutral site final. So a neutral site final. How do you feel? Are you ball in, ball out for the MLS finals being played at a neutral site? So I know they used to do this and it was not a very good turnout. And so obviously that is why they've changed it to now higher seed gets to host the final. And that does make it more like appetizing to finish in the said top of the division, finish out with the top points because getting to host a final is pretty unique in terms of in this sport. Saying that I'm ball out though, because I think MLS is making a mistake here. They should take the final four teams and put it into a neutral site. So that way you have four fan bases converging on into like the final and obviously so like say you and i say it's in vegas this year right we go all out there and it's you know seattle it's lafc fans dynamo fans sensi and columbus fans in vegas we would all then assume like our team's gonna win so we could buy tickets for the next for the championship and then if even if we don't make it well let's just stick around and watch it anyway you know what i mean like i think you could still draw fans out that way I think you can make market it in a bigger way. I, I just feel I feel like it diminishes as our championship by not having it as a neutral site. When I think at this point, the MLS has grown enough to where I'd, I, I'd like to see them try it again. So I, I, I think I said ball out on a neutral site. I meant to say yeah. ball in. I'm very oh, in. I'm ball very much in on this. Threw me off there. I was like, wait a second. What's, what's this guy <laughs> saying right now? Um <laughs> I mean, I I get what you're saying. I'm ball out just for the simple fact that we can't even fill up our own home right now, um, let alone a neutral site. I'd love me being, I would call myself a diehard. I, I love the idea. It would favor us given our, our current circumstances, but I just feel we have a lot of work to do at our own home um, before to even think about venturing out. Um, so just for that one reason, I agree with all of the other points. 100%. But for that one reason, I would have to be ball out on the neutral side idea. The only thing is, I feel like if it was in a creative place, you might be more inclined to go and, 
and see it. What I mean by that is it was really cool how they did El Trafico at the Rose Bowl. Like that was really unique. I feel like if they figured out a place to put this in a historic spot, like for instance, obviously you couldn't do it this way, but imagine if the Astrodome held it, you know what I mean? You know, awesome and like different and weird that would be, but a place like that in America, if it was held there, I think you might be more inclined to go. Yeah. Um, if only we had our Wembley, that'd be, that'd be <laughs> perfect. But, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, man, now you got me thinking what I'm trying to think of what, how to one up that, what would be my creative, but it also pushes, stadium. it pushes an idea that like, if it grows big enough that we could build a Wembley and have it for our United, like our national team, but it would also be the host to every single MLS championship game, especially with the rise of USL. Like, I think this is something that would be more unique that you could market it to being bigger and bigger and bigger, especially if Messi makes it like, you know, the MLS would try to definitely push it that way. And you then would call for a neutral site for a whole different reason. It'd be big enough to fill. Like I'm, I think this is something that you start now because the talent levels is, is there. All right, so we had one ball in, one ball out. Let's, uh, Giles, let's get our next topic. Ball in or ball out? Nelson Quinones, five-year contract. So Nelson Quinones with the five-year contract. Ball in or ball out? I'll kick it off. I'm ball in just because he's young. And sign him up, get him a long-year contract, put a high buyout price tag on it and make us some mother effing money <laughs> right there with you man ball in for sure i think he is a legit some tool that we can build for the future i think if he can develop more and more he could be a top 10 goal scorer like i i know that sounds high up there but i have big faith in this kid especially with how young he is and how he plays in big games give me give me more of that yeah, and I, I mean, we mentioned it to kick off the, the episode. Uh, he's a left foot away from being elite, and I really mean elite. And I could yep. see this kid playing in Europe, whether it's Portugal or elsewhere. I mean, he's still young. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. Um, and that left foot can only get better. So um, whether it's for the Dynamo's benefit or not, or whether it's just to sell him two, three years from now, sign him, lock him in. It's crazy that we were not even sure if we are going to keep him from his current loan spell and now look at us. So um, yeah, ball in <laughs> unanimous decision on Nelson Quinones. Ball in or ball out. Top points make playoffs. So no conferences, no Eastern, no Western, meaning the top seeded teams would get the playoff spots. What are your, uh, how are you feeling on this, Brandon? Ball in tremendously. I think getting rid of conferences and just having your top point getters makes it for a more exciting playoffs. It also allows for the future to be set up to where you could theoretically have fans understand how re uh, promotion and relegation would work then by bringing in USL teams. I think enough people would understand what it's like and, and, and figure it out a bit more. I think it would be too shocking just from going to playoffs one day and conferences to just suddenly know if you're in the bottom, you're gone. So this would be a healthy way to do that. Plus, it's a different way for us to stand out. If we're going to keep doing a playoff system like this, then I don't think it should be conferences. I think we can then add in an EPL style where 
being in the top table matters, but being the top in the West, but if it's a weak West, isn't that exciting? You know, you kind of just eke on through and good teams get knocked out where we could have a better product out there. So that I'm all for a better product. I think this makes it for a better league. Get rid of conferences, just do top points for, for playoff seating. I'm a little, so I like where you're coming from and I agree. It makes, it makes for a better product. The only thing that tears me away from fully going in on this is that the U S is so vast. So let's say Houston's playing New York, uh, NYC, NYC FC, but then Columbus and Cincinnati are playing in that first round. And then the next round, Houston would have to travel to Cincinnati or Columbus where they didn't have to do much of any travel. Um, so you get the wear and tear on the guys. And it, it, I feel like that works in England, Portugal, these smaller countries, but the U S is just so big just to make things fair. I, I feel like that's tough to pull off. That's my only thing. Make it, that's the only reason I'm hesitant to go ball in because as you said, it's a better product on the field and you're going, you're going to see the best of the best. And to be honest, I mean, we all know the only reason we have conferences is to make the air travel cheaper for the league. But aside from that, I mean, there's really no, no point in them. Um, So my only reason is just fairness and making, keeping things at a level playing field in the playoffs that I would have to go ball out on the uh, no conferences. If you played more games, I would say that the travel would be a problem. Like if you played three games in a week, then 100%. But when you're playing essentially, especially in these playoffs, one game ever so often, especially with the international break, and the way that they can travel today, like they're, you know, chartering a jet. They're not really, you know, all group boarding C, you know what I mean? And flying around here. So I think the travel is a little bit easier, especially in the duration of their games. So their bodies can handle a little bit more. You're right. Being in Portugal and England is such an advantage because you can just take a train, right? You can't really do that in America. You have to take flights, but at least they're taking top tier flights. These billionaire owners can afford it. It puts us on the map in a different way as well. I think that is it more attractive for us to be able to, to play top, top competition it might start to get more of Liga MX stars to jump to MLS because you see a better overall product. I, that's all I keep preaching. I think this helps strengthen it. I think the MLS ratings would be huge. For instance, do you think these playoffs are missing Messi right now? Like, of course, right, in terms of ratings. But would this be a better playoff if they were right now in the East facing off against Cincinnati? You tell me uh, Columbus is in primetime TV? I mean, to me, yes, they are. They, the MLS fans, sure. But in terms of getting eyeballs, they want the best in there, right? So I want the best overall teams because then you get a better overall playoff product. And then it just looks better, especially being on Apple where we're an international platform, like worldwide. This needs to be – we don't need to be a conference league anymore. We need to be just our best teams are making it. So I will say I should have clarified I was under the assumption that we were still doing a best of three round one. So that's where the travel came into effect. If we're not going that format, then yeah, ball in. Because then at that point, like you said, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I was just thinking of like our Real Salt Lake match. That would have been a pain <laughs> in the ass going to uh, New England, having to play them in a three-game series back and forth and back. 
So um, that, if that's you go, fair. Yeah, if you go yeah. traditional knockoff game round yes. one and on, then yeah, ball in to to me. Like you said, it just makes for a better product. It makes for a better product on TV. Um, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get the numbers eventually, but there's so many people who've never seen a match, an MLS match in their life before, and they're watching just because of Messi. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of those guys are watching these matches, these Houston matches that don't have Messi involved. And um, yeah, I mean, it, I agree with you. If you just have the better teams, not just what made up the conference, then you you just have a better product all around. So um, I think it also yeah. forces the owners to spend more money because if you're now officially only in the top like 16 you're not as safe as being in the top you know eight or nine in your own division now you have to be top of the top and i i just feel like that makes for a better product like i i if we're going to keep this playoff format and and instead of promotion and relegation and then we need to do it to where okay now everybody is on equal feet you just now have to have the better squad either spend more or have better development i think that makes us a better overall league and we can jump more of these other leagues that we're competing with in terms of getting players and getting players is no longer an issue because we have an owner that spends brandon that's how we will wrap up today's episode special shout out to mr ted siegel for investing in this (laughs) team believing in houston and look at what you had you have a full shell energy stadium you have a team competing for the mls final and it's just been an amazing ride. So um, we'll, we will end today's episode on that note. For The Way We Ball podcast, I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball.